Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by GetOutOfTheMess.com. Let Asha, your independent Legal Shield associate, help to connect you with a law firm to answer your questions for a low monthly rate today. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of that same old, rehashed, personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to, think positively and all your problems will go away? If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Welcome to the Overwhelmed Brain. I am Paul Coliani, a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I read your questions on the air and help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. And I said the key words in my intro, and that is to increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. The key words are really your self-worth and self-esteem. I think those are very foundational concepts that once you really build those as your solid foundation, it's like getting a great pair of shoes. It's a weird example, but when you get a great pair of shoes, you walk around and your feet feel great. They feel, well, at least better than they did, uh, you know, assuming everything is, you're healthy and your feet are okay, but shoes will make your walking and your life better because from the ground up, your feet, the foundation for getting around, are more comfortable. And you can do anything. You can hike. You can climb stairs. You can do all those things. Now, I'm not talking about people that don't have the ability to walk or don't have legs or, you know, I'm not talking about those people. If that's you, that might be a wheelchair. If that's you, it might be a bed. I mean, you might be confined to a bed. Think about the physical foundations in your life that need to be solid for the rest of your life to go well. I like to look at shoes. When I get a great pair of shoes, this sounds like an advertisement, I swear it's not, (laughs) but when I get a great pair of shoes, I feel better because now I'm walking around and my feet feel comfortable and the way I get around, I mean, that's my main source of transportation when I'm not in a car are my shoes or my sneakers or whatever I'm wearing. But I know that if I have a pair of shoes that don't fit well, that hurt me in different parts of my feet, then my day goes lousy because I just keep feeling this pain as I walk around. I'm sure a lot of women can <laughs> they can relate to this. So, um, you know, because men have a lot more comfortable shoes than most women. So, you get the idea. It's that the foundation, if it's uncomfortable, you know, if it's a wheelchair, if you have a terrible wheelchair and it's always sticking you in the back, it's always doing something that's very uncomfortable, you don't have a pleasant day. The rest of your day, the rest of your world seems to be filtering through this painful experience or uncomfortable experience. And if you have an unpleasant bed and that's your foundation, then the rest of your world doesn't seem so great because you just can't get comfortable in that foundation. So I think you know what I mean. Like the the more comfortable you make your foundation, usually the better your life goes, or at least you don't have to worry about that part of your life. Because if you're walking around all day long from room to room or from uh, street to street or whatever you do, and your shoes are uncomfortable, then the rest of your day is uncomfortable. So The reason I equate that with self-worth and self-esteem is because if you have a low self-worth, then the rest of your life seems to be very much affected. If you have a low self-esteem, then the rest of your life is affected. I look at self-worth as the value you put on yourself when you're a child. And that value tends to come from outside of you. Because as a child, you're not thinking about 
personal growth and self-help. As a child, you're just looking for approval and you're looking to impress and you're looking for your needs met outside of you. As a child, you do not have much self-sufficiency as a really small child. And what happens is you want to feel lovable. You want to feel worthy. You want to feel significant. So what you do is you seek these things from outside of you. The problem comes, and you may know where I'm going with this, when your parents or your caretakers are not capable of giving you what you need when you're that age. Your parents may be occupied and some parents will do drugs and forget about their kids or some parents will just neglect them in other ways and some parents will try to love and get their kids needs met and they still can't do it no matter how hard they try and I'm not putting any parents down here that have been through this or think that they've neglected neglecting their child at all I'm saying that this is what happens to most of us is that we end up in situations when we're a child that someone doesn't take care of us in the way we need. And when that happens, we continually seek outside validation and attention and love and support even as we grow up. Even when we get into our teen years and our 20s and our 30s and we're in these relationships and we're always seeking that outside validation. Not everyone, but I'm saying if you have had this childhood where you just didn't feel valuable enough. You just didn't feel loved enough or at all. Or you felt completely neglected. Or you were one of those children that had to take care of the other kids in your family because your parents were off doing other things or not knowing how to take care of you so they left you to your own devices, you know, whatever. But if you're in that space where you're not getting the love and support and attention that you so deserve and so need as a child, then you grow up with some deficit. I mean, you can. You can grow up in some sort of emotional deficit where you are, like I was saying, seeking this worthiness. I want to feel valuable. I want to feel lovable. I want to feel important from outside of you. Now, what can happen is that parents can show up for their children and be loving and show them how worthy they are to instill that sense of self-worth so that when those children grow up, they feel it so much that they don't have to seek it as much. I'm generalizing some things here. I'm not an expert in child psychology, so take this as my opinion. But this is w what I see happening. And when I talk to my clients about this, what has happened is that their stories are very similar. My mom wasn't there for me. My dad wasn't there for me. Or maybe they were there, but they called me an idiot or said things that made me feel worthless. This absolutely happens, and I know a lot of people are resonating with this right now, unfortunately, but it's important to understand that when this foundation doesn't exist, or at least in the totality of what it could be, when this foundation of self-worth doesn't exist, then as you grow up and develop self-esteem, which I believe stems directly from self-worth, your self-esteem is affected, your confidence is affected, and of course your self-worth. If you do not have those in high supply, then your life doesn't turn out the way you want it to. And what can happen is that you can feel like there's something missing. Now, the reason I'm getting into all of this is because I received an email from someone whose father really wasn't there for him. And I'll read the email in the next segment. Uh, but I wanted to lay out this foundation because this can and has happened to most of us where we grow up in a situation where we're just not cared for the way we need so that we don't continue seeking what we needed as a child in our adult relationships because that's where things tend to get messy is that now that we're adults, we've grown up, we've gone through some trials and gone through maybe a relationship or two or three or four or a job or two or three or four and we've experienced a lot of life yet here we are still seeking something 
that we never got as a child. What do we do about that? How do I get past that? Why do I have this feeling that something's missing or that I can never be fulfilled? How do I get into this other space? And I'm going to tell you right now, this is a very difficult topic that comes up when I'm coaching or when I'm doing this show that um, there's something missing that I can't fulfill. So I'm always seeking it and I'm always trying to get people to uh, be what they can't be for me uh, because I still have these needs. It's very difficult because it just seems like it's forever missing and it's forever unattainable. Now, where I go with this, I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm just saying it's difficult. Where I go with this is that when you realize that you did not get your needs met as a child, you need to find a different way to meet those needs so that you feel fulfilled. And uh, when we come back, I'm going to read this email and go over the process that I go through with some clients and the process that I went through myself so that there's a step in the direction that might help you if you're in this space. I mean, a lot of us are in this space. Like, we didn't get enough of XYZ when we were a child. And now we need XYZ as an adult. And uh, we develop these dysfunctional relationships because now we're expecting this parental responsibility from our partners, which puts them in a bind. A lot of our partners don't want to be that parent. They don't want to be the person that has to show up to fulfill your needs that you didn't get as a child. I hate to say it, <laughs> but it's true. Our partners today do not want to be the parents of yesterday unless they're a people pleaser, unless they have needs of their own of wanting to be parental. But I'm not saying that's necessarily healthy. I'm just saying that it can happen. As a former people pleaser myself, I wanted to be the parent to my partner. And I was always trying to accommodate, always trying to predict their needs, and always trying to make their life better, which can drive many people crazy. And it did. I mean, eventually, uh, my partners are like, please, <laughs> stop, leave me alone. I am independent. I'm a grown adult. I can take care of myself. They didn't say those words, but as I look back, I can see what I was doing in that space. Uh, but anyway, I'm not going to focus on people pleasing necessarily today, but the idea that something might be missing in my life because I didn't get it from childhood. So what does that mean? That means my foundation isn't stable. And if my foundation isn't stable, that's like walking around in a pair of shoes that is so painful that you just barely get through the day. I mean, that's exaggerating, of course, but you understand where I'm coming from. It's the foundation that if we can solidify that foundation, if we can really have it come together for us so that we feel better inside ourselves, then we're not focused on what's missing. We're focused on what we can do next for ourselves and the people we love because our shoes don't hurt. You've probably had enough of that analogy already, so <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll be right back and then we'll discuss it further after I read the email. Just a quick mention about getoutofthemess.com. If you haven't talked with Asha at 678-355-8777, then I recommend you do. Asha is an independent associate for Legal Shield, and she can tell you what the service is all about. Uh, she's not there to sell you. She's just there to connect you with information. And if you like the information, then she can sign you up and you'll have access to a law firm that's near you so that you can ask questions, you can have them do specific administrative tasks for you, uh, things that you'd normally have to pay a lawyer, you know, a couple hundred bucks or more an hour for. This service is a very low monthly rate to allow you access to a law firm, I mean, a, a real law firm. It's available in the US and Canada, and I highly recommend it. Um, my family uses it, I use it specifically, and I've had to recently use it because of this new GDPR thing. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, if you get my newsletter, you probably did. But you're probably getting a lot of emails regarding a website updating their privacy policy. 
I've gotten like 20 or 30 emails in the last few weeks of websites updating their privacy policy. Well, that's because Europe is going through the process of making everyone's data more private, more confidential, and uh, wanting to protect their citizens, which I think is a step in a really good direction. So uh, what's great for me is that I have this service and I can send my privacy policy to this service because they can review contracts and disclaimers and all kinds of things and have them check it out. And it's all part of the service. I love it. So I recommend if you have any need to call an attorney for anything, but you don't want to pay those exorbitant rates, give Asha a call, 678-355-8777. She's not an attorney, but she can tell you all about the service and tell you if it's right for you. 678-355-8777, getoutofthemess.com. All right, welcome back. I'm going to read an email from someone I'm going to call Jim. Jim says, my parents split when I was young and my dad remarried a neighbor. It was some Jerry Springer type stuff. Dad started another family and has uh, essentially chosen them first my whole life. I've pushed myself, I think, to get an I'm proud of you or anything from him, which I have gotten. However, it never feels genuine. He still chooses my half-sibling over him. We have so much fun together, but... He rarely makes an effort to see me and my family, and it's almost always my effort. This has given me the imposter syndrome, I think. I never feel like I'm good enough. I'm always worried that someday I'll be disregarded for someone more special. Any advice you can give me? I would love some more advice on how to conquer this, celebrate my accomplishments, and honestly be happy. Thank you for sharing that, Jim. Uh, what you're saying is that you know you're looking for something that your dad doesn't seem to know how to give and um, certainly from the last segment this is why I talked about this stuff in the last segment is that it can feel like there's something missing in our life when our parents or our caretakers have failed in some way I hate to use that term <laughs> but let's just say that you feel that your father has failed you in some way uh, by going off and creating another family and now paying attention to them so whether that's a failure in your eyes or not, there's something missing that you still seek from him. And, you know, it took me a while to think about this and really get a grasp on it in how to approach this. Because, you know, I look at my own history where when I was one, my parents split. So I don't have a memory of that, although I do have a funny story <laughs> that... My, uh, well, I don't know if this is funny. It's not very funny at all, actually. But my, my father uh, actually abducted me when I was one. I mean, once my parents split, my, this is my mom telling me this story. She said that he wanted me, so he stole me. And I'm not sure from where he stole me, but he took me illegally from my mom. And um, then she was worried sick because now... She doesn't know what he's going to do with me. And I guess it was like the very next day he brought me back. So he brought me back saying, I can't handle this, you know, changing diapers. I don't know if he said all this, but that was pretty much the gist of it, that he couldn't handle a baby. And now he had no problem bringing me back to my mom to take care of me from that point on. And I could look back at that and think, wow, my dad didn't want me. But from my adult perspective, I can look back and go, my dad wasn't prepared to be a father by himself and didn't want to take on the hardships of parenting. And I don't take that personally because at the age of one, uh, I'm certain that I was not easy to take care of. I mean, changing diapers and I mean, taking care of a child is a challenge, but it's not like I'm forgiving of him for abducting me or not wanting me. It's not like I have to be. I get into a space of that guy was so young, wasn't prepared to be a single dad, and had no idea how to do it, so he brought me back. But, you know, I understand some people don't go into that space. Some people go into the space of my dad didn't want me. Or, you know, if it's your mom, my mom didn't want me, so she brought me back. Or she gave me up for adoption, or she did this, or he did that. 
And we have these thoughts that we're unwanted or unlovable. And this is where our mind starts to play tricks on us, unfortunately. I'm not saying this is your situation. I'm saying this is how I can relate to it in a small way. And uh, when I think back of not being wanted, it's not affecting my being. It's not affecting who I am at my core. All I see is a man who thought he could take care of his son who comes back and says, I can't take care of this person. And to me, there's all kinds of ways to look at that. But the way I choose to look at it is that he realized that he did not know what to do with me. Because one of the places I go is that a lot of people that have children weren't parents before. The first time they have a child, they weren't a parent until someone said, here's your new job. Now you're a parent. I mean, they did it to themselves, of course. They had a kid. But here's your new job. You're a parent. Now do your best. And it's like if someone came along and if you've never flown the space shuttle before and they said, here's the space shuttle. Go ahead and fly it to the moon and, you know, come back and let us know how things went. A lot of parents feel this way. There, there's, there's sometimes no way to prepare for what's going to happen because of the dynamic of having a child. So I see young people that have children, they get into a situation where they don't know how to handle it, and some of those young people can't figure it out, it's overwhelming to them, and they do other things. They split up with their partner, they give their child up, they leave the children to them, they don't know what to do with the children, so they don't want anything to do with the children. And that sounds a little painful when I say it that way, because you think, why doesn't my dad want anything to do with me? Or why doesn't my mom want anything to do with me? And I just see it as people who became parents that didn't really understand what it takes to be a parent. So I can look at this from the adult, rational, logical perspective and not be affected. Again, I'm not saying that's your case, Jim, because right now what you're experiencing is um, a dad who became a real dad and I'm just making up words here, if they, they might be your words, uh, to another family, but not you. And from the outside, looking in, I can see that here's a guy who had a kid, wasn't prepared, didn't want to deal with it, went on with his life with someone else, and realized, oh, now I'm prepared to deal with it, uh, and now I'm going to make it right in this new family. I'm not saying that's what happened, but if I were to look at that from a logical perspective that's probably along the lines of what might have happened he now feels prepared he's now happier in his life because maybe he wasn't happy with your mom i've seen this before where a man or a woman is in a relationship that they're not happy in then they have a kid and they don't know if they can handle this relationship that they're not happy in and have a child to take care of so what they do is change their entire life they don't even want to look at the past and that may sound painful to hear because this is your dad. And he may have felt that he was handed the space shuttle and he doesn't know what to do with it. Yes, he built the shuttle. <laughs> and uh, it appeared in his life because he put it there. But not knowing what to do with it, it just overwhelmed him. And he couldn't handle it. So he went on and created this new family which, in which he was happier with his wife, which made him more able to become a dad to his new kids. Again, I'm not saying this to make you feel better because I'm sure it doesn't, but I'm looking at this from an outside, bigger picture perspective to figure out, even for myself, why someone would do this. Why would someone abandon their kid? Why would someone stop taking care of their kid or not treat their first children as they're treating their second children? And in order to do that, even for myself with my own family, I have to separate myself as the son and look at this as another human being trying to figure out what to do with their life. And I'm not saying what he did was right or good or anything like that. I'm just trying to figure out the logistics here, the behavior, the psychology behind it. Why would somebody do that? And if your dad was unhappy in the relationship and then he had you hoping that it would make the relationship better, hoping that he could bond with you and then your mom would start treating him better. I don't know what their situation was. Uh, if none of that happened, 
then suddenly he feels like he's failed. He can't continue the relationship. He doesn't know what to do with you. He just feels like no matter what he tries, he's unhappy. So he moves on to the next thing, trying to be happy. And then he finds someone in his life to make him happy. And just like a good pair of shoes, once he has that person that makes him happy, the rest of his life may go a little bit easier. So again, I'm not saying any of this as a resolution to what you're going through, but the idea that this can happen is good to keep in mind because it can happen to the best of us. It can happen, I mean, not necessarily with children, but with anything. It's like when I had a job and I, I really enjoyed this job and then I got a promotion to another part of the company and suddenly I was miserable. I mean, it was just awful. I hated it. I didn't know how to handle it. It was giving me headaches every day and I spent six months in that position. When I finally decided to get out of that position, they ended up firing me from that position and demoting me, which was hugely welcome. And uh, suddenly I felt happy again. So I left that position that I had for six months behind, never looking back, never wanting any part of it. So I'm not saying that's happened to you, but I'm saying that if your dad was in a family and he wasn't getting along with your mom and he was always unhappy every day, that people can bundle these things together, saying that when he's near his first children, he thinks of his wife and that makes him unhappy. I'm not giving him this as a free pass to get out of being a real father to you. I'm just saying that this could be the psychology behind why he did it. Now, I may be wrong. I could be totally off. I don't know if you guys ever ever had a falling out. It doesn't sound like you did. It just sounds like he didn't show up as a real dad to you. And now he's making an effort to be a real dad to his new family. So I bring it back to what's missing in you. And how do you get that fulfilled? I think knowing that people are people and they don't know how to function under every single circumstance that comes their way, even the circumstances that they created, it doesn't give them a break, but at least gives you an understanding. Now, this understanding also comes with the pain of, hey, where's dad? The pain of, why can't you treat me like you treat them? And I think one of the steps that will help you through this, I mean, it may help you is that if you come to an acceptance that he is never going to be the dad that you wanted. And that sounds awful. That sounds like something that shouldn't make you happy at all. And it doesn't. It's not a good feeling. But let's just say that what you're striving to get out of him is impossible. Let's just say that there's no possible way that he can show up the way that you will ever want. And if that's the case... You know, ask yourself that question. If you knew that he would never show up as the dad you've always wanted, then what is that like for you? It may make you angry. It may make you cry. It may make you feel so awful that you just can't have any more relations with him anymore. I don't think you'll go in that direction from the, the vibe of your letter, but just coming to a place of instead of hoping that he'll change, knowing that he won't ever change, and that he will always treat you just like what sounds more like a friend than anything, knowing that he'll never show up as the father figure, the role model that you so want in your life, where does that leave you? What do you do with that information? Does it feel like something is now really missing in there? This is a good thing to ponder because what will happen is that you start to rewire your brain a little bit. Instead of hoping he'll see you and hoping he says, I'm so proud of you, that you come to a place of, no, he's not capable of doing that. He's already come to a place where he never has treated me like that and he never will. That's hard. That's, that's the death of a relationship that you want. But it can also be the birth of another type of relationship with him. This is, like I said, not an easy subject because there's all kinds of ways to feel about this. Uh, but the, the idea that something might be missing and you're always seeking it, what would happen if you never got that from him? I like to pose that kind of question, even to myself. When I was married and I had judgment issues about my wife, you know, her emotional eating, I asked myself, what would happen if she never healed from that emotional eating? What would happen? What would, you know, because I was always judging and I, was, I always wanted her to change. 
So all of my resistance throughout our marriage and a lot of my emotional triggers throughout our marriage had to do with her behavior and her changing. And near the end of our relationship, I asked myself, what would I do if I absolutely knew for sure that she would never heal from emotional eating and she would always be this way? What would I do with that? And I had this sick feeling. I didn't want to accept it. But the idea, the realization came to me that, oh, if she never changes, that means I need to take another step. That means I need to think differently. Because all of my thinking was hoping. All of my thinking was hoping she'll change, hoping she'll look at me and go, oh, I can see how this hurts you. Okay, I'll change for you. And because I had all of that hope, all of my energy went toward that. And it ruined me. I mean, it, it shouldn't say ruined, but it really affected me in a negative way. And it affected our relationship. It affected me judging her. It affected all kinds of things because I chose not to accept that she would never change. And that didn't mean she would never change. It just meant that I needed to come to a place in myself in order to reach the next level in me, the psychological barriers that I built up in myself, the resistances that I've been holding on to, those start to crumble when you accept that this person will never change. Now, what that means for you is going to be probably unique to you. That could mean, well, then I hate him and I don't want him in my life anymore. I don't think it will. It could. But even if you reach that level of thought, it'll be very unlikely to sustain itself inside of you. Meaning, you probably won't, won't hold on to that thought. Because once you reach acceptance that someone is who they are, then you have no choice but to understand that they'll never be anything more. And that you waste your time hoping they'll change. And if you're not spending any time hoping they'll change, what do you end up spending your time doing instead? And this may change your life. If every time you talk to your dad on the phone, you weren't hoping he'd say something that made you feel proud of, of being his son or him proud of being your dad. If that wasn't there, what would be? Because your conversation probably changes after that. And I tell you what, if you have this need, you have this desire for him to compliment you, to comment on your life and say how proud he is, and you always bring that into the conversation, it is possible that he feels that vibe, that he feels like there's some tension behind it, and he may be uncomfortable expressing that to you because there's that energy in the conversation, so it never comes up. I'm not saying that it ever will, but the idea that when you bring a need to the table and the person's not been able to fulfill it all this time, they may feel the pressure to do so, but something inside them prevents them from doing it. You know, some limiting belief, some inability to connect with their emotions. Maybe there's guilt. Maybe he feels guilty for leaving you behind and he doesn't want to face that guilt. And if he says, that uh, he's so proud of you, it makes him face his own guilt. There's a million different things that could be going on in his mind. So it's hard to speculate what might be happening there, but I do know that the energy of need and wanting someone to be who they aren't, I'm not saying he isn't this way, but if you come to the acceptance that he isn't this way, it gives you some relief so that you stop seeking it. And when you stop seeking it, Suddenly, what happens often is that you start getting what you need in different ways. Now, I'm not saying this is an absolute, but I've seen this happen. As soon as you let go of your desires and your needs uh, for something that feels missing in your life, you suddenly get it in other ways. And I would say that's because you're so laser focused on getting it a certain way from a certain person that you block everything else out that could be the same type of thing you're looking for. And even if your father can't pull through as that dad that you want, releasing the need and coming to that acceptance actually allows him to be more of himself around you. And I know this sounds like I'm pointing the finger at you and that you need to change and you need to do all this stuff, but I'm not saying it's your fault and I'm not saying it's your responsibility. I'm saying that if you want to be able to get past this in yourself so that you will be happier, then the expectations have to change. 
the the place you go to to accept someone as who they are, even as who they were at the time, and even come to a place of forgiveness if you want. You don't have to. I don't believe you have to forgive everyone. But I'm saying that even if you come to a place and tell yourself that he was young, he was he wasn't prepared, he was unhappy, you give him the benefit of the doubt. It can be a way to accept as well. It still doesn't resolve everything in you, but this is one half of the equation is, okay, what happens if I let this go and understand that he will never show up for me the way I want him to? Just like with my wife. What happens if I realize that she will never change and never show up the way I want her to? What do I do with that information? What do I do next? I tell you what, my first thought was I need to get a divorce. I mean, that was my very first thought. I didn't follow through with that because after I had that thought, the thought I didn't want to have, the next thought that came to me was, wait, I don't want to get a divorce. What am I thinking? Wait a minute, if I don't want to get a divorce, that means what? I have to accept. And so this huge shift occurred in me where suddenly I was able to start healing from my judgments. I was able to accept her for where she was in her life and accept that she had challenges that she was working on and those were her challenges, not mine, and not even the relationship challenges. Those were hers and I can let her have those now. All of these shifts started happening inside my mind because I actually came to some conclusions that I didn't want to happen and because I came to the conclusion, well, I should get a divorce, that forced me to continue a thought process that never started. And this is very helpful. This is the idea behind acceptance. You accept that someone will never, ever change, which means now I have to take the next step for me. What is that next step? Well, let's just say that I need to cut it off with my dad because he never treats me like a real son. And so you have this grandiose thought that makes you think, well, I guess I have to cut all ties. But because you had that thought, the next thought that could come in might change everything. You might go to this place of, I'm going to cut all ties. And then the next thought could be, wait, I want some kind of relationship with him. Yeah, but if I have a relationship with him and I have all these needs and desires and he's not able to fulfill those, where does that put me? And then you might have this kind of shift that happens inside of you where you say, wait, if I want a relationship with him, this is what I need to do. And if I want to be happy with him, then maybe I need to realize this is all he's capable of doing and expecting more is not something I'll ever get from him. And it could actually improve your relationship. Not saying it will. I mean, you really do have to come to that acceptance that he will never change and see where that takes you in your thoughts. But this is a good exercise for your mind because our reality is created in our minds. And I'm not going to get into this reality and what is reality, but I do want to say that uh, the visualizations that I sometimes talk about where you visit your inner child, like what you, you visit yourself as a child and you give yourself what you need that your caretakers and other people didn't give you then. So, you know, what I'll do sometimes, it's not often anymore, but I used to picture myself as, you know, like a 10-year-old boy. I can remember what I look like because I saw pictures of myself. So I would visit myself as the adult I am now and act as the father or mother figure that I didn't have as that 10-year-old boy. And a weird thing starts to happen when you visualize this is that it's almost as if you are going into the past and giving yourself resources that you didn't have back then so that as you grow up, and come back into the now, you suddenly have those resources. So it really is almost like changing your history and coming back to today with new thoughts and new feelings and new resources inside of you so that you can now feel more prosperous and more happy than you did. I love that visualization because whether this is real or not doesn't matter. It's the way your mind works. It's the way your brain works. Your brain sequences events and has these memories with these emotional attachments to the memories and then when you go back and think of who you were at the time and actually connect with those emotions at that time even though this is all in your mind you actually start to rewire your brain and I know this is very simplified and I'm probably insulting neuroscientists out there but I've tried this many times with many things that have happened in my life 
where I go, what do I need right now? And I think, did I have that when I was a child? And if I didn't, maybe I need to go back in time and give that to myself as a child, all in my head. And it doesn't matter if it's real or not because it's the way the brain works. Because when you look out into the world or you listen to the world or you feel the world, all of these senses collect data so that your brain can interpret it and create the reality that you experience. So why can't you just imagine it too? Why can't you just imagine what happens? Like imagining your dad showing up and saying, you know what, I really do love you. I was so young and I was so stupid and I was so unhappy and now I feel bad and I don't know how to talk to you and I don't know how to connect with you. So now that I'm happy in this new relationship, I'm hoping that you'll understand that I'll always love you. I just don't know how to show it to you. You know, maybe there's something like that. Maybe you can do that in your mind and that will start to shift things around for you a little bit because your interpretation of what he's thinking is really what's creating your misery. Or, you know, his physical behavior of what he's doing is helping you create meaning around your relationship. And I'm going to throw this at you. Um, this is very unfair. <laughs> but I'm going to throw it at you just in case it has anything to do with the formula that's set up right now. The formula of your dad in a new relationship with new children and how you interact with your dad and how you interact with his new family. Do you interact with his new family in a loving, supporting, great job dad kind of way? I'm not saying you have to. I'm just asking if that's the case. Because if there's anything that you have an aversion to with his new life, with his new family, and he senses that, he feels that, he feels any lack of support, that could also contribute to the way he treats you too. I'm not saying it's fair. I'm not saying he's right, you're right, you're wrong, he's wrong. I'm not saying any of this stuff. I'm just saying it's a thought. It's a thought that comes to mind that when we expect someone to treat us a certain way, to love us a certain way, to support us a certain way, or in any way, are we doing the same for them? And you may be doing that. You may be the most loving, kind person to your dad and to his family and be so supportive I don't know, but if there's any type of conflict or resistance in you regarding him and his choices and his new family, it's just a thought. It's just something to ponder because you could probably imagine if, uh, let's just say that your brother, if you have a brother or even your dad, let's just say they looked at you and thought, oh, you've made lousy decisions. Uh, I don't like your wife. I don't like your kids because you made lousy decisions. You shouldn't have married her. Uh, but I'll treat you nice, but, you know, I just don't like that whole situation. How would that feel in you? Again, it sounds like I'm making you responsible and I'm putting you in the place of you're creating this scenario, but I'm, I'm just trying to eliminate everything that could be a component of what makes your relationship perhaps a little strained or perhaps something that you just would like to improve in some way. Because if you're looking to improve the relationship, this is one of the many steps you can take to do so. So, like I said, you may already be treating them nice and your dad just doesn't know how to show up for you in that way, which is part of the acceptance, which is part of letting go of the hope. And after you come to that acceptance and have no more expectations of how he's supposed to show up, then you have a relationship that isn't defined by the parameters that were set up by your needs, by your hope. And when that happens, what kind of relationship is it then? You know, when my dad was on his deathbed, I, I went to visit him after not seeing him for 10 years. I was very fortunate to be able to visit him before he died and uh, to get this call out of nowhere saying, you know, dad's in the hospital, he has cancer. Um, I thought, okay, this is it. I haven't seen him in 10 years. This is where I really need to accept who he is and understand that the trouble that we had communicating before doesn't really matter. And uh, I need to just go there and love him for who he is and th let the past be the past. And that's what I did. I went to visit him. We got along great. Uh, I saw him more grumpy than I've ever seen him. <laughs> Probably because he was in the hospital and he had no choice but to do what the nurses and the doctors told him to do. Uh, but I got to see him from a new light because I had let go of him so long ago. 
but I was able to love him from a different place, from a more unconditional place. And because of that, I could tell he was able to change in himself as well. I had better boundaries. He couldn't take advantage of me in any way. He couldn't uh, make me feel like he used to make me feel. Uh, I just showed up knowing that, okay, this could be the last time I see him. So I'm going to treat him as if this were the last time. And it didn't matter how he behaved. And it was great. It went great. I loved it. And yes, like um, a few days or a few weeks later, he did die. And I was at peace with that because I had made peace with my dad. And so uh, that's what I like to do with um, people that don't show up in a way that I want them to, yet I might still want a relationship with them, is that I imagine that, okay, this could be the last time I see them. And if that were the case, what's what matters most? Any type of relationship, or should I just cut them out, or, or what? I sometimes visit that place in my mind, if this is the last time I see them, what matters most? And I focus on that. Now, I, wa I do want to address this, Jim. You said that uh, you think this situation has given you the imposter syndrome. Now, I'm not sure what you mean in reference to with your dad. Like maybe you don't feel like a son or maybe you don't feel like you're showing up the way he sees you. Uh, but you did say you feel like you're never good enough. So the only question I have for you on that is why do you have to feel good enough from your dad's perspective? I know that might be a stupid question, but let's just visit that for a moment. Why does it have to be your dad to make you feel good enough? So this might be that little boy in you that didn't get his needs met, that never felt special from your dad, that you might need to visualize and come back and give that little boy what he needs. That little inner child walkthrough that I was talking about earlier, that visualization. And it may sound silly to you, I don't know, but it's worth at least trying. If you picture yourself as a little boy and you go back in time in your mind and you visit yourself, like I visit myself when I'm playing with my matchbox cars in the backyard. And I just sit there playing with me. And I, I will say things like, you know, you're so amazing. I love you so much. You are so important. And you're such a great kid. And I just give myself all of these positive affirmations, I guess you could call it. Uh, just letting him know that everything that he didn't think he was when he grew up, he is. And when he can stop and look at me and hug me and cry or whatever happens in my mind, that really changes things for me. It really feels like I'm doing something for myself. This may or may not work for you. I don't know. But it, it is a powerful technique. And I recommend you do it more than once and visit yourself more than once. Because really what's happening is you feel like there's something missing. So what do you do? You, you need to provide to yourself when nobody else can do it. You need to provide to yourself that something that is missing. Because sometimes you have to show up as your own parent when your parent wasn't capable of doing it. Because at the time, they were just people that were probably unprepared for parenthood. And then when they grew up, they never grew into the parent that you always wanted. Like your dad, they may have grown into a parent. And now they're starting it over again, trying it with a new family. As crappy as that might feel and look. But then you come back to yourself and go, okay, what do I need to do for me? What was he incapable of doing that I need to do for me? And also look at it in a way of what do I want to do and who do I want to be for my kids or for anyone else in my life that I'm a father figure to that he never was. Because this can also be a way of fulfilling a need or a desire that you wanted fulfilled when you were a kid. It can be a way of filling up that gap or that space that uh, feels empty when you are able to show up in ways that other people weren't able to show up for you. You might need to talk about this with someone, Jim. You might need to explore this more with a professional or really start meditating on it and doing those visualizations. But um, I hope this helps for you for today. Uh, thank you so much for sharing it. And thanks for listening to this show. I'll be back and I'll say some thank yous and then we'll uh, close the show after this.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank uh, a few donors to the show. Theodore, thank you for your donation. Christine, thank you for your donation. Anna, you do a monthly donation. I am so appreciative of you and all the people who donate to this show. If you want to donate, just go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and click on the donate button. And if you want to be a monthly contributor like Anna, you can do so on that same button. It gives you that option. Uh, But I am so appreciative of anyone who donates to this show. It absolutely goes right back into the show, right back into everything I do over here at The Overwhelmed Brain. And if you find value in this show, that's a great way to give back. And you can also give back by going to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and clicking on the Amazon button. Every time you shop, you can use that button, and it also supports the show. So I appreciate you using the Amazon button. And, of course, the patron program, patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com is a great way to give back and also a great way to get back as well because there are a bunch of private episodes in there. There are a bunch of uh, free workbooks that uh, you'd normally have to pay for and even a video archive that you can look and see what uh, we've talked about on some of our video trainings. That's patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And I thank you so much, patron members, donors, everyone using the Amazon button. I am absolutely grateful because it helps me keep the show going. It helps me to continue to serve you and keep doing this. I mean, I've been doing this almost five years now. So coming up in November 2018, it'll be five years of doing this show. All because of the donations and the patronage and people using the Amazon link. All absolutely vital components of keeping this show going. So thank you. And I want to tell you about the Mean Workbook. If you haven't heard me talk about it, I'm going to tell you about it now. MEAN stands for Manipulation and Emotional Abuse Number. It is a 200-point assessment that you take to really evaluate your relationship to figure out if it's manipulative, emotionally abusive, or just plain old difficult for reasons that you can't explain. There's no reason to continue being manipulated or emotionally abused in a relationship. And I don't want you to be in that space, that sick feeling. I know the sick feeling that you can get from being emotionally abused and I hope that you understand that that's not how life is supposed to be that's not how relationships are supposed to be I want you to be happier in your relationship I want you to feel like you have an equal partner that supports you and loves you and if you don't feel that if you feel more unhappy than you're happy if you're being made to feel like you're responsible for all the problems in the relationship if you're being told that you're wrong and that you should always listen to your partner I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you can be manipulated or emotionally abused. And I just don't want you to feel that. That's the operative word, feel. Because if you feel bad more than you feel good in your relationship, you may be being emotionally abused. And uh, I think it's important to uh, educate yourself on that. So check it out. Go to loveandabuse.com and check out the Mean Workbook. And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. You know, I think back to um, when I was growing up, my mom and my stepfather. My stepfather was an aggressive, violent alcoholic, and my mom was the people pleaser and a buffer between us and him. And, you know, she couldn't really show up as that loving, supportive, always there mom for us kids. She couldn't always show up that way because she was spending a lot of time trying to keep us safe from him. And because of that, I could look back and go, geez, you know, I never had the mom I wanted. I never had the family I wanted. I feel like there's things missing in my life. And I'm sure I've gone through this just in other ways. I just didn't see it that way until, you know, I was much older and I healed from a lot of this stuff. But I can certainly understand uh, Jim's point of view from our last segment, that you can feel like you haven't gotten the parental love and support and guidance and nurturing that you so deserve. But what do we do when we can't get past that? Like I said earlier, I really appreciate the thought process of going into a space of, you know, why would they be that way? Why couldn't my mom be more loving, more supportive, more around, you know, more uh, connected to me? Why couldn't she do a lot of things Uh, But then I have to remember that not only was she a mom, she was also an individual. She was also someone just trying to live her life, trying to figure out what to do in this awful marriage and how to raise us three kids and then later on two more kids with this very aggressive, violent person. And I realized, you know, she had her hands full. And because I see that, 
and I picture myself in this situation, how could I possibly give any more love or nurturing or support to my kids if I had my hands full trying to protect them from my spouse? You know, something like that. And I think, wow, you know, that really puts it into perspective. And I can go into a space of, you know, I think she loved us more than anything. And she showed us in ways that weren't necessarily ways that we expected or that we wanted. She loved us in ways that she could love us by protecting us. She loved us in ways that she could love us by letting us do whatever we wanted outside the house because at least we got out of the house. She loved us in so many ways that when I think about it that way, my heart starts to fill. I start to feel really warm. I start to tear up thinking that, wow, my mom did so much for us when she couldn't show up in other ways. Now, not everyone has this experience. Some people might think back and say, well, my mom didn't do any of that stuff. My mom was overprotective. She was always in my stuff. She was always in my face. She was always doing this. She was always doing that. But how can you look at it in a way that she has helped you even survive or exist? That might be stretching a little bit, but let's just think about it. Even the most overprotective, restrictive parent is doing it for a reason. Yes, there could be control issues. Yes, there's probably some dysfunction in there. But what's the real reason behind all of that? Let's just say that you have one of the most dysfunctional parents around. Why couldn't they show up in another way that made you feel loved and supported? Well, if we zoom out a little bit more and see that the ultimate reasons for doing what they were doing, yes, there's probably fear in their life and, like I said, dysfunction. But why were they doing any of this for you? This doesn't work with everyone. I know there are some people out there that had terrible parents that uh, maybe even had parents that were that really didn't want them and told them they didn't want them. Yes, that could be you. And if that's you, that's when it's so important to have the positive mother and father role in your life somewhere, if not through other family and friends, at minimum through your own thought process where you think, you know what, I need to do this for myself because my mom was incapable. Or my dad was incapable. And I know that's a lot harder to do. Like, why should I have to do that? That doesn't make me feel special. That doesn't make me feel important to anyone. Well, I always go in the direction of whatever you're missing, you need to fulfill in yourself before you seek it from others. And when you do that, then others can see it in you and want to be near you and want more of you. At least the healthy people. The healthy people want you to be healthy. The happy people want you to be happy. I mean, some people have unhappy parents and that they want their kids to be unhappy too because as long as they're unhappy too, then I'm not alone. There's a lot of that that goes on. You probably had friends or family like that. Well, I'm unhappy, which means you're going to be unhappy. Or I've had terrible relationships, which means you're going to have terrible relationships and I'm going to teach you how to do it. <laughs> There's that. And then I've had a hard time in life, which means you're going to have a hard time in life and I'm going to make sure that you have a hard time because if you have an easier time, that diminishes my life. That makes my life more insignificant. You know, who knows what their thought process is. All I know is that not everyone can be as healthy as we want them to be. Even us, we can't always be as healthy as we want us to be. But we try. And we keep trying. And we keep moving forward so that uh, we're not focused on the past. How can we move forward? We have to come to acceptances. We have to come to an idea that expectations are what hold us back from moving forward. What are our expectations? What do we expect from mom or dad or this person or that person? What do we expect? And if our expectations are never getting fulfilled, then do we spend more time in expectation mode, hoping, than we do in accepting, A-C-C-E-P-T, accepting, then where does that leave us? Do we ever feel like we're moving forward? I think that's important to always feel like we're moving forward. Always some sort of forward momentum. How do you reach that? You do have to come to a place of acceptance when someone just won't change. If you know someone is not showing up the way you want them to show up, then you have to come to the realization that they will never show up the way you want them to show up. And now it's up to you to take the next step. That could mean you change your entire relationship with someone. You just let go of the expectation. Not easy, I know. 
sometimes a long process, but sometimes it's a matter of just going, okay, what would I do if I knew that this person would never, ever change? What would I do? And then you go through that process. That's a great visualization. So yes, use your mind. Your mind is reality because it interprets what your senses bring into your system and then creates content so that you can give meaning to it and attach emotions to it. And because it's all in your mind, you can also visualize. Even if you have to visualize someone that isn't even here anymore. There are people that have passed on that you've always wanted to say something to and you never got a chance to say it. Visualize them in your mind and say anything that comes to mind. Do anything that comes to mind. Let it all happen in your mind because you are free to think anything you want. Just let it happen and see what happens because sometimes you'll come up with stuff that you would never consider. I would never consider punching so-and-so in the face, but in my mind's eye, I did. And because of that, it made me come to a new realization about something. And I thought differently for the first time, and I was able to resolve it in myself. That's a great place to be. So like I always say, keep an open mind. This will help you step into your power, and your mind is very powerful. And you might even come up with new realizations which will help you make decisions and take action so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing.